0: This episode of the Be Real podcast is brought to you by Amina Altai Coaching. Amina Altai is a leadership and mindset coach to high achieving women who are ready to take their work and lives to the next level.
1: She helps you break free of people pleasing, perfectionism, and poverty mindset to claim your purpose, find peace, power, and prosperity. She has been called the fairy godmother of careers. She is an expert in residence, for entrepreneur magazine. She has shared her wisdom in goop.com, NBC, and more.
0: If you're ready to connect to your purpose, release perfectionism, and free yourself of imposter syndrome, use the code BE REAL, a value of $150, and schedule your free clarity call with Amina. Email Haley at AminaAltai.com to schedule your session today. And now, on to the show.
1: We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, changemakers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought-provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being.
0: We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real
1: conversations,
0: helping you work through your mental wellness
1: questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We
0: practice what we preach.
1: It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content
0: and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real.
1: Welcome,
2: welcome. <laughs> well, here we are in a new format.
1: I know. We're not just our voices today. I can see you. People can see us. This people is kind of cool. Us,
2: people can see us. That always makes me a little nervous. Like, is it sitting okay? <laughs> but, you know, we're fine. Here we are at our, I think this is our second live event,
1: right? It is our second live event. We and for the podcast, it. we're on like number 60-something. No, we
2: No? no? Where well, on- are we? Like number 84 like no
1: like you miss like.
2: okay life. everyone
1: i've been losing time i'm still in the pandemic i apologize time is just lost okay like, i think i lost like six months around here right yeah.
2: this is like episode 84 84 mm-hmm. 85 i can't ask jessica because she's <laughs> not on the screen where she normally is we're super excited. So we have all sorts of things happening on this particular podcast. Obviously it's live. Yes. We have more than one guest. We have four, yes, which is new. Four, but one is like not really a guest anymore. She no, was there.
1: She's a part of the team, but we'll, we'll tell everybody about that later.
2: <laughs> right. We have a couple of people who have been guests and now have come back because yes. they're amazing and we want their expertise. And then we have. A new person on the screen that um, you know we're gonna we're gonna get her back a couple more times too, so that's super exciting. And I was just gonna oh, and it's the equinox, which is really exciting. So it's the fall equinox. It's Virgo season, and for some of you who have received emails from me recently. Uh, Liz got one earlier today that is full Virgo, and for those of us Liz, for those of us who are here. All of, like, almost all of my planets are in Virgo. So it's like, it's insane, the emails that I, it's crazy. So I'm like, I can't wait to organize stuff this weekend. Did we have a full moon?
1: I'm not sure. We did. Okay. Okay. Some people have been paying attention to the moon. I have not.
3: (laughs) Yesterday, I want to say yesterday. It was yesterday. Really?
1: So
2: we're still feeling the wane of the full moon. So there's all sorts of stuff happening. But the big announcement is that we are live. And you, Adnisha are going to, and we have another big announcement because we are going to be, uh, I'm going to let Liz and you do it. So why don't you introduce our guest? How about that?
1: Okay. Well, let's just tell everybody what we're going to be talking about today, right? So tonight we're going to kind of be talking about what does it mean to be well? And we are introducing our new health and wellness initiative at Be Well Psychotherapy called Indigo 108, which Liz is going to tell you guys all about a little bit later. But um, why don't I introduce the panel? So we have Liz Bueller walker which is our new director of health and wellness of Be Well. I say hi, Liz.
3: Hello, everyone. Hi, panelists. Hi, everyone. Hi, guests who are here at the live event. And hi to people who are going to be listening afterwards. So happy to be here. And
1: I have Amina Altai, who is a holistic leadership coach and trainer. And she's also been a guest on um, Be Real before.
4: Hi, everyone. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me back.
1: And then we have Krishna Dolakia, and she is a registered dietitian, diabetes educator, and yoga and mindfulness instructor, instructor, excuse me. She's also the founder of
5: Om and Spice Wellness. Thank you. This is my first time here, and I'm I'm really excited to be with you all. Thanks for having me. Of course. And
1: then we have Jennifer Kurtala. And she actually has been on Be Real before as well. And I also have her book. Uh, she is an Ayurveda health counselor, yoga teacher, and she's the co-author of Root and Nourish.
2: Everyone, so great to be back.
1: Thank you so much.
2: So before we get right into it, let everybody who is listening and who is here live today know during the course of the conversation, if you have questions about what we're talking about or comments, you can put them in the chat. And then um, at the end, we will leave uh, time for a short Q&A, and that will all be done in the chat. And you can see the chat room on the right. Please be sure to use their names so that they can answer the question. We will circle back to questions at the end. That's my spiel. Otherwise I'm ready to answer the question what does it mean to be well. Let's go on.
1: Well there it is that is the question like what does it mean to be well and how does it relate to your specific discipline?
2: How what does it mean to be well? It started I used the the I named my practice be well uh because I believe that when you put your thoughts and feelings into words it is the first step to being well to understanding yourself and to being able to ask and get your needs met, understanding who you are, and be really just being able to communicate what is important to you so that you are able to get all of the things that you want in your life or desire or, yeah, that's my answer. Okay, who
1: else is gonna let us know what it means to be well?
4: So I'm a leadership and mindset coach. And so a lot of people are always asking me like, well, how does wellness play into your practices or what you share with people? And I believe that wellness is a conduit to clarity. And so when we're navigating spaces like purpose or what we do for a living or you know what we're building in our businesses, that wellness and that clarity is so important, right? If we are clear, thanks to the wellness practices, we can hear our intuition. We can hear ourselves. We can connect to our higher self. I once had a teacher that had said something to the tune of, Like a disordered relationship with food or alcohol blocks the flow of godliness in ourselves. And so I love that idea that wellness is this conduit to clarity and allows the godliness to flow through ourselves so we can be clear, so we can show up fully for the work that we're called to do and what we want to impact in the world.
1: I love that. Conduit to clarity. I might have to use that.
4: You're welcome to.
5: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Krishna. I love that. That that was really beautifully said. And um, I I just wanted to share a little bit about my experience as both professionally and personally. I started working um, as a registered dietitian and a health coach in telehealth, like back in two thousand and seven, um, as I was entering the workforce. And it was the first time I realized that helping people make lifestyle change doesn't occur in a silo. It's not like, okay, I'm going to just work on my nutrition. I'm going to work on my physical activity. Like they're all extremely interrelated. You know, as I moved throughout my career and just was doing my own personal work and working with, with other people, I started realizing that there are all of these other other circulating factors that kind of impact how we feel in every given moment. And especially I think now during the pandemic, we can all say that there are certain ones that truly affect our sense of wellness and well-being, like social connectedness, you know, being able to be around the people that you, you love, you know, and, and that is a part of being well. There, there are certain things that you wouldn't think of, like being financially secure, that can influence the way that you eat. And so they're just—it's this—it's this this dynamic, fluid motion of one thing impacting and affecting the other. I I think that the most important thing is to allow yourself to open your mind to what it is that is is impacting you in a in both a positive and maybe a negative way.
2: Thank you for that. I love that answer.
6: That you really speak to the the sense of my definition of wellness and. I'll say to start that I've been sort of moving away from the word wellness, um, for various reasons. I feel like it's been a little bit commodified and commercialized. So I, I prefer really to use the word holistic health. And I think that health has, health has its own connotations and sort of limits within our, our Western paradigm. Um, but to me, in the systems that I practice within yoga and Ayurveda, health is really, um, much more than just the, the, the absence of disease that we often think of in our Western culture. And for me, it's, it's very rooted in this idea of integration, um, similar to what Krishna was saying. And within yoga and Ayurveda, there's this sense of integration of mind, body, and spirit, all contributing to one's health, um, as well as a sense of integration within your system. Um, In my book, Root and Nourish, we talk about how three specific sort of areas of the body, digestion, mental health, and hormonal health, all feed into to each other and support each other, or can affect each other or harm each other. If one is not in balance, um, and there's this sort of cascade effect, but also this sort of spiraling and circularity. And so everything is connected within us, but then there's this bigger connection between us and the universe, us and our environment, um, us and the people that we spend time with, and how all of our our energy and our presence in the world can have that, have an effect on our health and the, The state of our environment around us can also have an effect on our health, whether it's the people and their energy or their, you know, health or lack of health or the health or lack of health of our environment, of our planet. All of that is affecting the decisions that we make, um, in terms of diet and lifestyle, which are our main tools in Ayurveda and being able to accept that all of these factors play into how we feel at any moment, but also these bigger, cycles of time, like our past, present, and future, being able to integrate past traumas or illnesses or injuries that we're not looking to cure, but to heal. That really has deeply affected the way that I consider my own state of health um, and how I work with my
2: clients. I really like heal versus cure. That was, there's something very um, nurturing about that language and also that because and healing is such a process more that like, cure is like, boom, right? Like we did it, we found it, we did it. But there's exactly. healing that's involved in bringing all components of ourselves together. Mm-hmm. And there could be a sort of
6: uh, morality, sometimes attached to that idea, where if you have some, um whatever, whatever you're trying to cure, let's say that that was a, a bad thing that you need to be rid of it, or there's something wrong with you for having it. And Healing is much more of an acceptance um, that this is part of me. Um, I've I've learned from this. And, you know, there's many difficulties about that process. Um, With that attitude, um, there can be areas of growth, I've found.
3: Jennifer, thank you. It really struck me when you said that wellness or holistic health is not just the absence of something being wrong, but it is actually this sort of like active vibrancy. So I guess vibrancy would be the thing that comes to me when I think about like what is well-being, what does it mean to be well is this sense of vibrancy and it doesn't mean that everything is perfect. It doesn't mean that you don't have anything that you're working through or working with, but it's that you have, there's like life in you, you know? And so in yoga, the the vibrancy that doing the breathing cultivates. And in Ayurveda, the vibrancy of all of our environment, all of the different colors in our environment and in our food and the different relationships that we have. Are we being vibrant in the way we interact with the world? Are we accepting vibrancy in through our senses from the conversations we have? Like this one, and the, uh, the experiences that we're having. And I also just really appreciate everybody stating what it means to them because it's also so self-determined and it's different from one person to the next. And yet we all know what it feels like to be well. We know what that feeling is for each of us. So I just wanted to, um, to add that to the conversation as well.
1: Yeah, Jennifer, using the word healing, I love because it's a journey. Um, and to be well is is a journey. It, it never ends, right? It's not like a finite thing, like you cure it and you're done. I think you're always on the journey to be well because there's always going to be bumps in the road. So it's not something that's just like, oh, I'm well and everything is great. <laughs> tomorrow, the next day, next week, next year, things can change. And so it's a journey that you're always on. It just feels like it's a continuum.
2: So. From morning to the night. I mean, um... <laughs> From this morning to right now. <laughs> From this morning to right now. I, there was a, in my life, it was a journey. <laughs> <laughs> it's one day in the life, but it was a journey.
1: So um, we are all in the business of supporting people, right, on their lives, on their journey. So each of us approaches it differently. So I want you to kind of tell the audience how is your discipline kind of support the mental and emotional well-being of your clients?
3: I'll go first since I went last last time. Okay, um, let's- I think one of the, one of the things that I do when I'm working with people, uh, in, in whatever way, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's in groups, whether it's, you know, in the embodied practices or in meditation, you know, whatever it is, whatever the tools we're using, I try to support people in knowing themselves, in knowing like what your threshold is, knowing what your limit is, knowing what makes you feel like yourself and 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 starting to really build the ability to trust that knowing the spaces where you feel like you can be yourself knowing the spaces where you need to be quieter or where you want to be really outgoing and just um being able to really have a relationship with yourself the way that I'm working, at least right now, it's always a journey too, even the way you work, not just the personal wellness journey, but the way that we work with each other and our, and our clients as well is, is it changes over time based on the world and based on where we are in our lives.
4: Uh, in my work, I take what I call a mind, body and business approach to coaching because like, we're one, we're one, we're a whole person, right? And Anisha, you were talking about at the top of our session, talking about how sometimes you feel disconnected at the head and the body. Mm-hmm. And when I first came to coaching, I felt the same way and my body was sending me all these signals and I was like, no, no, mine's in charge, driving the bus, out you go. It wasn't until I like really started to listen. I was like, oh, they're working together. This is the system. And I think of it as like almost like a four legged stool of like mindset is such a huge piece of us being able to show up fully to connect to the fullness of our being, to connect to the work we really want to do. Feeling well and whole in our bodies as well. Like if I don't have the energy or the vibrancy or like I am held back by dis-ease, am I able to show up fully? No. The actual strategies and tactics we use in our work and then spirituality too, right? Faith is such a huge component. And again, that was something I noticed on my journey too of being like, okay, like I, the mindset's good, showing up in the tactics, but like I'm not doing so great on this faith piece and that being a really big part of the medicine as
1: well. Thank you so much, Amana. That is such a beautiful message.
2: Go ahead, <laughs> I'm just the back of go on. I'm gonna jump
6: in in a minute, but. No, it is beautiful. I work with uh, people a lot on this idea of building healthy habits, um, which I like to frame in the sense of, of rituals, which uh, gives in my mind a little bit more intentionality and mindfulness to something that's a habit, because often think of habits as something that's sort of automatic or lacking mindfulness for good reasons, you know, it saves energy and time. Um, But when we have these containers um, in our day, whether they're meals or coming to a movement practice or other forms of exercise, um, making time for rest, um, those are the three really big containers that I tend to focus on. They become imbued with a sense of um, connection. Um, They're little sort of anchor points in your day where you can really check in and evaluate how am I doing? Like, what are the things that I need right now? What are the foods, whether it's edible food or food from your senses or food from your body or food from conversation and relationships or food from your work? What are the qualities of the foods that I need right now in order to make me feel balanced? And in our world where everything is so crazy um, and our lives have become so... Uh, the different pockets of our lives that maybe were separate before namely work and home or school and home have become so merged and fused it's really hard to find areas where you can make those distinctions and and take the time to to check in with yourself um so i really think that in my experience within ayurveda especially um this idea of having rituals around your health can allow you to be preventive in your your tactics of making sure that you don't get sick or you don't slip into imbalance because you could notice right away, I'm feeling a little bit off today. Or, you know, this thing that I used to do all the time, is not working anymore. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be sick. It might just mean it's a new season or there's something else going on. And it's like, Oh, you know, that watermelon I used, I was really into like a month ago. is like not really working anymore. So I need to switch. But if you're just, if you just keep eating the watermelon and, and never stop to think about it, you're going to be eating watermelon in December. And No one's going to be happy about that. Rituals. (laughs) Yeah. Rituals are um, where I like to have that, those moments of of making that transition between checking with yourself and then having your actions be able to have those ripple effects into your future self, but also allowing your future self to show up the best that you can for the future uh,
1: in time as well. I love the slowdown. Like kind of taking that pause and kind of figure out what's going on. Can I just on. add? Mm-hmm. Oh, please, add. Go ahead. Yeah,
3: and I just want to add that um, rituals also they bring that meaning as well. Like Amina, you were talking about the spirituality piece and the faith piece, and that you know so many of the spiritual practices are so ritualized, and there's a reason for that. So it's so nice to think of. Like with Indigo 108, the new program at Be Well, it's it's all about like finding the things that are meaningful for you. Like what are the things that are meaningful for you is rest what's meaningful for you. And then what are the ways that you have entry points into that? And it's not just like you were saying about like changing habits to change habits or doing something because it's going to like be the right thing to do. But when you ritualize it, then there's meaning imbued with it and so you will be naturally drawn to doing it rather than just doing it because like oh it's time for me to do my nighttime ritual now
6: exactly it's much more of a um, intuitive process but you can only get that when you are when you're clear you for know sure. when you have that clarity to be able to say i'm going to choose
2: this instead of that and i was thinking as you uh you were both talking and you as well amina is that one of the things like in my and i i came to uh psychotherapy and psychoanalysis from a very strong yoga and Ayurvedic background so that followed me into the work but in in the analytic rooms when we talk about repetition and we talk about when you talk about rituals we talk about repetition and we talk about the repetition compulsion and that like once once it becomes so rote we just get into it we need things that we repeat so that we keep ourselves sane Mm -hmm. and then we don't When the maladaptive patterns start to take over, like these practices and the way that we're talking now allows us to just slow down and and unwind it in a way that it's like Mm -hmm. it's like that ball of yarn that's got a knot in it that you got to go back and find before you make the sweater. So like you're unwinding it slowly, slowly, slowly so that you can find it and not in a jarring way, not in a way that you're like, oh, we're not going to do this today. We're going to stop turkey it's like we're going to introduce slowly and look at where where the balance is off because we can talk anisha and i can bring it to bring it to light like we can bring it to the table to have it move from the <laughs> unconscious forward and then um and then you know we can we can take people pretty far but for the most part what we find and i see this a lot with my in my own practice is then the seekers go out, they, they're going out and they're, then they're running around seeking more things. So like being able to have like a panel, a group of wellness geniuses like we have right now, like who are, who are actively like helping people to, to move through these patterns, um, and work with Anisha and I and like the work that we're uncovering.
1: But it takes a team. I think a lot of us think that we can kind of do it all by ourselves. But like you say, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a community to raise an adult. Right. And so you find your community. Right. And that might be in wellness professionals and that might be in friends and family. But um, you have to find a community that's going to kind of push you forward every day.
3: Say I've learned one of the things I've learned from you, Krishna, is the ritual that you do at the beginning of your meal. So I would love if you would share when you're talking, share about that, Mm -hmm. looking at the food and thanking. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Liz is talking about an Ayurveda series that I am currently teaching and we've kind of spread it out to accommodate the seasons. And the ritual is sitting uh, in front of your food and placing your hands over your food and closing your eyes and just um, acknowledging everyone that was involved in bringing this meal to your table, including yourself and the energy that this food will give you the prana, the pranic energy that the food will give you. Actually, it made me think about what you were saying earlier, Liz, about that vibrancy, right? Because sometimes we, we look at the act of eating as just an act of eating, right? And we're oftentimes eating in front of our phone or our laptop or sometimes the TV, right? Or eating on the run. I think that so much of what I've heard in just this conversation is um, looking at food and eating as a spiritual act. I'm very lucky because I have training in both the clinical side and the holistic side with as a as a yoga teacher and a mindfulness and MBSR teacher, and also I teach Ayurveda. But I'm also a dietitian and a diabetes educator, and I really feel like my role is to firstly understand what motivates people to change and what motivated, mo- motivates people to be healthy, but also what to help them bridge the gap between the two, between the clinical and the holistic and to, because oftentimes I feel like there's a fight, fight to highlight one over the other. And there's so much confusion in the world that we live in regarding like, and I think Jennifer said that so beautifully, this, this word wellness has been so tokenized. And I mean, um, has been so uh used in a way that is uh, used in a way to sell us something when it's really innate within us, it doesn't need to be sold. I think that the, with, with the people that I work with uh, one-on-one in group group settings, even in large scale wellness conferences, it goes back to the original conversation is really tying in all aspects of what helps us feel, feel balanced, centered and grounded. And so talking about all of these things that um, need to support us in being, being well, like, okay, I want to eat healthy, but how expensive is this going to be for me? You know? And like, what are small things that I can do right now to, to make small changes, you know, little by little that are realistic. Like, like Jennifer said, eating in season, really, that's basically, you were kind of alluding to that in a different way. And, you know, a group series that I often offer is an intuitive eating group course, which focuses on the psychology and of food and the behavior, the behaviors that, come with food and eating like um, conditioning that we receive from our family from a young age from society what it means to be beautiful what it means to be young and what it means to age and this is all so tied back to eating right and food and so much comes up from that course and it's it's amazing and it's always so profound so though that's a, that's a, a series that I'm offering that's actually starting next week, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I think I've talked a lot, so I'm gonna stop here thank you
2: <laughs> well while you're talking I was like okay so I ate uh chips at my, at my <laughs> kitchen counter with hummus before I ran out the door and I was having a field day in my mind about my age while I was coming so I'm like oh sign me up sign me up but I think it's like it's also as you're as you're talking about it in, um, how especially I think that like during this time, especially coming out of the pandemic, one of the things and I know that this has come up in the work that I do and also in my own personal life is that I've had access to being able to cook for myself to being home to do it like and I've created these patterns that have been probably much better for me. And now in this anxious time of having like, I'm I'm like, I'm working a hybrid schedule and I'm commuting and I'm doing different things and I'm feeling phonetic and it's a change of season and I'm hungry and I'm not hungry. And I know I'm not alone in all of this because I hear it from my patients as well. Is like when like remembering what to eat, remembering where you ordered from that was healthy when you or bringing your lunch or bringing snacks with you places that were open and now are closed and like how, how we're feeling in general is a little, and I'm speaking for everybody on the panel and for all, all, Everybody who's speaking for everybody that like it is, it's such a, um, it's such a strange time. And like that to be able to find balance right now is just, it's it, like even for a spark of the day, For it's amazing. It's like to even think about it. Like if I think about one balanced time I had today, I think it's right now.
5: <laughs> so I'm like, Oh yeah, this is it. And I think you bring up such a good point because it's ultimately how can you be feel less guilty about your actions and feel more compassionate towards yourself? Yeah. It's like that's what I had time for. And it was still a shift. And
2: I was like, okay.
6: <laughs> I'd
2: also add Diana that
6: I've been thinking about this a lot, especially because of the time we we're in where in Ayurveda it is, you know, described and this is not just an Ayurveda thing. Anyone can observe it. It's, it's this time of great flux and change and instability. Um We see that in nature. But right now, especially, you know, we have the equinox and there's this mm-hmm. sense of like this divine balance or cosmic balance. And in reality, ba- balance is is not really a thing. Right. Balance is sort of like a a continuum um, or um, uh, more of a sort of I think of it as almost like the, like the whole like wave particle situation where it's not really a, a thing you can hold on to. It's not a concrete um, object, but it's also not something that is purely action it's not purely movement like there's this sort of weird hybrid essence that balances and yet in our world we want it to be one or the other using compassion i really like that word Krishna, that having compassion for yourself on the balance continuum as well that you're always just like the planet we're always sort of moving towards or away from things and we can practice that a lot in yoga you know and, and liz i'm sure you have lots to say and think about this too that um When we're practicing yoga, we can do a pose like tree pose or a handstand and be working, working, working towards that balance pose. And then you're there for like four seconds and then you're out. And then like, okay, I spent five years trying to do this pose and now maybe I won't ever do it again. Like there's this so, like we put so much uh, pressure on these ideal, these ideal situations that are really just very fleeting moments. And when we can appreciate that and make the make the changes a little bit more rhythmic and contained, then change becomes a healthy thing rather than a disruptive thing.
0: We now know that mental health is equally as important as physical health. That's why Be well Psychotherapy has created a space for personalized pathways designed to fully support your particular journey of being human.
1: We provide both in-person and virtual sessions where clients can make real, authentic professional relationships with a therapist in real time. We ensure our clients feel completely secure regardless of their mental health concerns.
0: The first step is understanding the benefits of therapy and next is finding a resource that can speak to your specific goals and needs.
1: Our diverse, all-female staff serves 500 patients monthly and are dedicated to fostering growth and change in each session.
0: With offices in Midtown Manhattan and Hoboken, New Jersey, we are here to make sure that everyone has easy access to the best of mental wellness on their own terms.
1: Because maintaining good mental health is something we all need to be doing for our overall wellness and real growth. So book an appointment today at BeWellPsychotherapy.com. I think about this constant transition that we all are in, right? Like we're dealing with, are we going back to the office, new mask mandates? Are we going to get vaccinated? Are the kids going back to school? Like all of this that's going on. How are you guys coaching your clients at this time to take the best care of themselves? Because I think that that's where people are struggling. How do I take care of myself? in all of this transition and all of this probably imbalance. I don't know, even know where to start. How are you guys coaching your clients how to take better care of themselves? like my
4: codependency is so obvious. I'm like, there's silence. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk. I'm going to feel
1: it. I'm going to
2: feel it.
4: Um, I love what you all were talking about with the idea of balance. It's like balance has, I've, I've never really used that word because balance implies stasis, where it's really about like this agility and this nimbleness. And I think that this black swan moment that we've been in for 18 months is really asking for. I love <laughs> that
1: the way you called it the black swan moment.
4: It is. I don't know. That's a new one. <laughs> I love it. On. Um, but yeah, this is called for the most agility and the most nimbleness. And so I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, I mostly worked with uh, women in leadership and a lot of women of color, a lot of them are parents, and they've all been really hard hit by the pandemic, whether they're like leading big teams or they're juggling teams and and family and all the things and all the stuff. And so we sat down and we created um, some wellness plans. So how they were going to take care of their physical, emotional, spiritual well-being in this time. And we created two plans and one was ideal and the other was minimal viable. So the ideal is like, yes, all the things that we want to get to, we want to get to the meditation and the movement and our spiritual practice and connecting with our community. And that's not possible a lot of the time. So what does our minimal viable wellness plan look like? Do we spend, you know, 90 seconds doing breath work, and that's all we've got for the day. And compassion for ourselves around that nimbleness and agility, because it, it the pendulum will swing back in the other direction.
1: I like 90 seconds. I love minimal, viable wellness.
2: <laughs> that feels easy. It feels like it's something I could do. In like 90 seconds. I got 90 <laughs> seconds to to remember to breathe. I'm in. I love it. I think that's such a great.
6: um It, it gives such a, a nice range, Amina, but. My my question for you is, like, why does the minimal viable wellness plan have to be one end of the spectrum? Like, why can't we be more simple in our expectations of ourselves all the time? Like, not just when we're in a pandemic and, like, go crazy. The idea of simplicity, I think, is is something that is undervalued in life. And I'm curious, like, if your clients find that if they're on that minimal plan, like, do they feel like that's enough? Like, where's the line that you're kind of towing with minimal versus enough? I'm curious.
4: Yeah, it's a beautiful question, and and a question I'd love to pose to them as well. And I think a lot of it is, you know, maybe it's even a misnomer of minimal viable, because I think so much of it is, you know, our time changes, our bodies change. And I think the real invitation is how do we flex? How do we get nimble? How do we get agile? How do we not place judgment on whether it's minimal viable or the expanded version? How can we be in love with simplicity? I think that's a beautiful question.
2: And I think we have uh, a lot of, at, in this time as we're moving out of it, that a lot of people, I'm going to say people, um, are finding a different experience of uh, minimal and simple Right. Like what did it what their big lives look like before aren't necessarily what they want to go back to. Some demands will be on them to go back. I know just thinking again, thinking of the people that I work with, like the demands to go back and like what what they know that they have to let go of that were that were times of like being home that were. We're comfortable and loving and warm with their, with their insular community and like the anxiety about going back and letting go of that. And so I think we have to redefine those things for ourselves too, in a way that fits into, uh, our new patterns of being as we go back out, right? Like it's not, I mean, it's not a new normal. It's just another, it's just another way, right? Like we're using different language and we're having another, Another transition and how we take what we've learned with us and examine the things. And again, examine the, the habits that we created that weren't great. Right? I just think as I'm talking about it and like how, how people shifted so quickly at the beginning of this pandemic and the exhaustion in the brain of that shift. And now we have. We're fortunate enough to be able for the most part a lot of people to be able to create their own in I, I wanna say it's not it's not an exit plan, it's an intra plan, like what is it called? In a going in plan that works more towards your your <laughs> works more with who you are, right? Which is what we Liz and I have been talking about a lot at with our health and well-being programs, supporting people in that transition back in to use, to be in their true nature as they go back out into the world in a new way.
3: You know, I was thinking about that, Diana. And when when I piloted this program with, with a client, about halfway through, it became clear to me and I said, oh, maybe we need to be talking about what you can take away Instead of what you need to add, right? Because maybe you don't need to add the lavender on the pillow and the hot water bottle and the night night tea and the like, that's (laughs) making you more stressed out. And so maybe we can talk about like, what can you take away? Maybe your evening after 8 p.m. you need alone time maybe you know like whatever it is you need quiet time maybe you need to stop your day at 9 and read a book and i think um i would like to see that kind of work continue of like what can i take away right the minimum viable wellness product but also like what am i returning to when i then take that away like what's in there What am I returning to? And I think when we all got placed into shelter in place and then George Floyd was murdered and then the Black Lives Matter movement really swelled up and became very personal for people that it had not been personal for and that we could see like when some of the busyness got taken away, we could see and feel how we're connected and how we've been not taking care of each other. And so can we include that in our new wellness practice of like, what can I take away? What do I return to when I take that away so that I can be my vibrant self? But like, for what? Be my vibrant self so that I can participate in the world in a way that, that, that brings something, brings us all to something maybe a little bit better.
5: Mm-hmm. Thanks for, thanks for naming that, Liz. Because I've been experiencing that a lot lately, personally and also professionally, um, especially in the wellness industry. And I can, I can only speak for myself, like being in a very whitewashed wellness industry and kind of advocating for food and, and self care and behavior change in a way that is unique to to everybody's unique life right like it's not a one size fits all plan for anyone like i'm indian and if you tell me to take away my rice and beans i'll just like get really angry at you and it's never gonna happen you know um and and so there there are things like that (laughs) yes please don't uh so it's like it's being like culturally sensitive being culturally respectful Understanding how cultural, cultural appropriate appropriation has been a part of our, of some facets of the wellness industry and also kind of filtering it down to understand how that's, that's, that may be impacting the, the client that I'm working with. Because I think part of whenever you are looking to help someone make behavior change and understand like what self care looks like, for their own unique life, you're going to encounter some pushback, whether it's either to you as the practitioner or the person supporting them or at pushback within themselves, right? Because any part of behavior change is there's going to be a, a mourning part of that, right? Because obviously we're engaging in these behaviors because they're giving us something, right? We're engaging in these behaviors because they're self-protective or, they comfort us or they allow us to numb in a way that, you know, takes us away from the hardships of the world. Right. And so like part of that is understanding why we use the things that we use. And that's including food. That's including activity over exercise or not exercising at all. All of these things, right. They, they can be used as a, as arrows towards us where we can use it to, comfort ourselves to heal ourselves or to punish ourselves and i think that i think that like whenever i'm working with a client when we talk about that it's almost like it's just such a revelation right and that and and then someone said i forget who said it but it's a journey right that's not where it starts and stop where it stops it's a, it's a lifelong uncovering of why we do what we do and are we willing to make different choices? And it's not easy. It's really hard. It's really hard.
1: I mean, I guess we've heard about like how you guys are helping your clients. I'm interested in how you guys helping yourself. Like, so how do you manage to kind of prioritize your own mental health and self-care? So I guess my question is, what is the number one priority that you would not do without? Like, and how do you fit it in Because you guys are helping people all day. And so how are you kind of helping yourself? Amina is your time. Let's go. <laughs> Come on
2: in. Come on. i was just so intentional about not raising my hand first. Let's do it. Come on, girl. I was like, wait for it, wait for it. She's taking care of herself. I'll tell you how she's taking care of herself. It's on her calendar. I know where she is all the
4: time. It's on my calendar. I'm pretty bullish about my mornings. So I don't start work until 11 o'clock, which I know is a privilege. And as a business owner, I've been able to design my schedule in a way that really aligns with my energy. And But the one practice that I absolutely cannot live without and don't live without is my meditation practice. So I'm a Vedic, meditator and um in the Vedic tradition we meditate for 20 minutes twice a day using a sanskrit mantra i don't always get to my second meditation but the first one happens every morning Um, and it's the biggest gift because if
2: i'm not taking care
4: of myself and cleaning out my space i can't show up fully for the people that i'm called to
2: support okay note to self no texting um before 11 got
4: it (laughs) i won't respond don't worry
3: (laughs) i know but now i know why (laughs) You know, I do a formal practice just today. Actually, I ended a 40 day sadhana where I was meditating. It was from Michelle Cassandra Johnson's new book, Finding Refuge. It was a heart centered meditation sadhana, which is the sadhana is a daily practice that you do for a period of time, often 40 days. And so I finished that today. So I'll often have some sort of a formal practice. If you had asked me five years ago, I would have said definitely an embodied something like a an, a yoga asana practice is really important. It's really important for me to feel in my body. I think I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why it is. I'll have to talk about it in therapy to find out why it is. But um, my most recent non-negotiable for myself for my own care is beauty. Just noticing beauty in my life, art, color, nature, flowers, sound, you know, I just need, like, I feel like it puts me in the place where I need to be when I'm around beautiful expressions.
6: Liz, I agree with you with the embodiment piece. Um, and, you know, before the pandemic, I was teaching yoga uh, full time in terms of schedule and was all over the city all day long from like 6am to 9pm and that was not healthy but I was constantly on the move and so when everything shut down it was there was this period where it was actually really great for a while because I got a a really good rest but then I was like okay we need to (laughs) we need to do something so I'm you know I do practice yoga pretty much every day but for me the practice that has been most healing and supportive has been uh just taking a walk every day and i'm really lucky that i get to i live in a an area of brooklyn that is quite scenic um it's very near to liz actually um and very close to prospect park which is a beautiful park here in new york and um i've been walking this same route basically you know i have like maybe a few variations but same area every day for all these months and it's been beautiful to be able to just see nature, um, and see it change. And for a while, there was this house in the neighborhood that was, they were writing a poem on this like a frame chalkboard outside of their house every day. So every day I would go and like go read the poem and it became this really beautiful, um, thing that I was looking forward to, um, during sort of the darkest, uh, so far times of the pandemic last spring. And, Now it's definitely non-negotiable. So even if it's raining, when it's snowing, I'm like, I just need to go out. It really, it has helped me to become more comfortable even with some of the extremes of nature that we can like hide from. Um, and really reinforcing that sense of resilience of like, I can, I can be in this discomfort, um, and make it through and be with it, move through it.
5: I'll piggyback on that. I'm a fellow walker myself. Uh, that is honestly, you know, I could say meditation, but the truth of the matter is it's mindful walking for me. Um, being around trees uh, reminds me of Robin Wall Kimmerer's book. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, Braiding Sweet Grass. And she talks about finding basically what her her message is finding community in nature. And, you know, during the pandemic, at the beginning, I was alone, most of the time. And, and I that's where I felt felt myself fill my cup in Central Park, you know, and other than that, it's also being with nature in other ways, like cooking, like touching food, I love cooking. And journaling is a really big practice of mine. I, my, my meditation practice tends to be like mantra meditation and chakra meditation and rest, trying to find rest in, in other iterations of what that word means. And that might just be like, sometimes rest is walking in the park. Sometimes rest is sleeping. Sometimes rest is taking a bubble bath. You know, (laughs) that's how I take care of myself.
1: So we are actually kind of winding down. I know, so, too, but I want to know how you take care of yourself. Come on, put the will. For me? On. Yeah. Oh, I'm let, let it go. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely down with the walking. I was also in Central Park. I did the whole roundabout like twice. I needed it. I would go like really early in the morning, seven o'clock before I got my day started because I needed nature. Again, I live in New York City. I live in an apartment. It was like, oh my God, if I keep looking at these fall walls, it was just too much. So I was like, I just need to be out in nature. I need to hear the birds. The trees, the people. And it was actually my way of being around people, but also feeling safe. So I am a very intentional walker. And I was telling someone earlier today, I do therapy every Thursday at 9 a.m. And I take a walk while I'm I'm doing my therapy session. So it's really important to me. But I want people who have questions to put it in the chat. But before we go, each of you guys are kind of a leader in your own field. And we like love collaborating with you. But we want you to tell our audience what's happening. like What initiatives do you have going on? And if you have something special to promote, please do that now. And Liz, please tell people more about Indigo 108. Liz, you want to go first, I guess? And then we'll go around.
3: Sure. So I have been busy, busy, busy at work creating, uh, co-creating with Diana, this Indigo 108 program that will be an addition to the therapy that people are already doing so beautifully at Be Well Psychotherapy. So now people can come to Be Well Psychotherapy and they can do their talk therapy and then they can also sign up for the Indigo 108 program, which is a health coaching program using the framework and the lenses of yoga and Ayurveda. It's a one-on-one program, and there are a few different options that you have for doing the work. And then the really cool part is that you can come work with me on Indigo 108 doing the embodied practices, and then you can be with a Be Well therapist doing your mental health practices. And then uh, myself and the therapist can be in touch about what we're doing on both sides there so that you're really fully taken care of. It's true holistic care. So that's the Indigo 108 program. You can do a free consultation with me, sign up for that on the website. And so that's where you'll find me is on the Be Well Psychotherapy website. And then um, we're getting everything going behind the scenes. There's lots. We're busy, busy, busy. There's lots of good stuff going on.
2: Yes. Yeah. And if you were here tonight, fun facts, and you were listening and you, um, we have, we can see you. So, uh, and you go to the website and you <laughs> sign up for your 20 minute consultation with Liz, which is, uh, that is a gift. Um, you also get a discount on your first, uh, your blueprint session with Liz, and she'll tell you all about that. So um, that is our gift to you, along with Liz being the gift herself. So it's
5: very exciting. I'll be very quick. Um, my Next week, there's an intuitive eating course I'm um, leading starting on Tuesday. It's a four-week series that uncovers all of our behavior, different structures around food and self-care. And I'm also teaching a yoga and cello class on October 17th, which is a Sunday in Marcus Garvey Park in Harlem, if you're around. And if you'd like to learn more about me, I'm just putting my info in the chat.
2: Thank you. Okay. Uh, fun facts is that I love the cello, which, you know, is very like outside my wheelhouse, but like something that I could just listen to forever. And if you aren't following Christian, like if you need just sort of some inspiration and you follow her on Instagram and see the beauty that is what is happening with this movement in the cello in the park, like I'm trying to figure out how I can work it into my schedule for sure. I mean, it just looks amazing.
5: I'd love for you to come.
2: Oh, I just, I can't get it. It's so beautiful. It's such a wonderful combination.
4: So I have a group coaching program that is starting next week for anybody that is thinking about shifting careers or connecting to purpose and wants to do so through, frame through uh, the language of wellness and supporting yourself as a whole system. Also, I'm very excited. I'm launching a new corporate offering that is in support of diverse leaders. I've been working with people in leadership for a long time. And what happens is we tend to coach the one individual and they change and they grow but the system around them doesn't evolve and they get coached out of an organization. And so this program is to basically implement a 360 coaching program to support the people in leadership that they're rolling up to their peers and everybody that reports into them so that we can really address the whole system. I'm very excited about that.
1: Oh, Please put there? your um, website in the chat. I'm gonna... cool.
4: Thank you. So um,
6: as Anisha mentioned, I have a book um, called Root and Nourish, an herbal cookbook for women's wellness, which I co-authored with my wonderful friend, Abby Rodriguez. Um, So you could find that on rootandnourish.com. That's our website. And we also have a wonderful online community. Um, Tomorrow night, Wednesday, we're having a, um, a moon circle, in fact. So you could head over to there and find all of your great resources. Um, individually, I am an Ayurvedic health counselor, so I work with folks one-on-one. I'm also, though, um, really excited because this year I'm leading a community uh, seasonal reset program that starts on October 8th. So if you're in a situation where you feel like you are in the sort of bananas crazy zone and needs some accountability and guidance for simplifying and turning inward, it's a really great way to, to spend your time and totally workable within um, having a job, having a family, um, but gives you some concrete tools for, for settling down and giving your body the rest and nutrition that it needs to be able to withstand this seasonal transition so that you're very healthy and balanced going into the and winter. So that starts October 8th and there's information about it on my website, which I will put
1: in
2: the chat. And if you didn't hear the podcast with Jennifer on it, that Inisha and I hosted, I love that book. That book is so pretty and I am a cookbook collector for sure. I am always into a cookbook. It is what one of the things that I do to take care of myself is spend time in the kitchen. It's so pretty. I mean, it's just so insightful and has so many interesting things and ways to take care of yourself in it. I highly recommend it.
1: If you guys want to work with any of these amazing humans, please um, contact them with, on their websites. They have some really great things going on.
2: And we are going to repurpose this content as a podcast. Yes. So uh, anybody who didn't come tonight will, and then they'll see it. But in the show notes, better. so all the information will be in the show notes. Is what I'm trying to say, ladies. Thank you so much for spending Tuesday. It's Tuesday, right? Yes, Tuesday, it's Tuesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> Tuesday evening with us. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time and all the beautiful things that you guys are putting out in the world. I mean, I, there's so much I want to do. Like I just, there's so much I want to say, but I just thank you is, is where I'm going to go. Anisha. Yes. We, we need, we got to stick the landing girl.
1: All right. Let's go. Okay. So stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Continue well. to wash your hands. <laughs>
2: Okay, please wash your hands. The fact that we have to say wash your hands still is—it's
1: uh, beyond me. But yes, wash your hands and um, do your best to give people six feet. We still want it.
2: We I need still need
1: it. Need it. <laughs> ask, like,
2: ask before you go in, like, for for sure, like when you're going in, like, ask. I was with the need consent, consent, consent. Ask <laughs> people for like, Okay, got it. <laughs> would it be okay if I hug you? Like she was very good with the language. She was really good. And I was like, okay. So make sure that like we're taking care of all of that. And I think that's it. So we're going to stop here and we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.